0: Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish, sponsored by our friends at Paychex. Today, we are going to be talking with our friend, Jean Meister, about a recent survey that she's published called the 2021 HR Sentiment Survey, which really gets to the most pressing and important priorities for HR leaders today and going into next year. And there's some great data in that survey. Uh, And it's going to be exciting to talk about that, Trish. But first, the question of the day for you. Okay. Okay. What is the most imaginative or fun or your go-to insult? If you want to insult somebody, not harshly, but maybe just give that little poke to the ribs. You want to kind of burn somebody a little bit. Do you have an insult you like? The
1: first thing that came to mind was bless your heart. I don't know. It's like that, that little Southern kind of "oh, bless your heart. I don't know. So? It's, it's really bad. Right. So yeah, that's, that's the first one I thought of. That's How about one. you? What do you think? I of? have
0: one, Trish. I have a okay. standard one and here it is. It's I'll look at the person I want to insult and I'll say, who's that clown? <laughs> oh,
1: no, you don't.
0: Yes. And here's why this is the best insult because it's a double, it's a double jab because first of all, you're calling them a clown, right? Which yeah. is bad. And second, you're implying that they're not even one of the better known clowns.
1: Oh my goodness. That's Steve. Why,
0: that's why Steve. that one's my favorite. So there you go.
1: Okay. Well now we know I, you know, I, I was a big fan when I was working like in corporate of having like secret insults. Have you ever had those where you worked?
0: Probably. So probably, like yeah.
1: my biggest thing, my whole team knew if I said no worries about like, if some, somebody asked me and I was no worries, that was, that was bad. That was really bad. That was like my way of saying like, Oh no. I'm well, not down with this at all, but no worries, I got
0: you. Okay, well, maybe our guest has an insult she likes. Well, she has a moment to think about it. Let me introduce her formally and welcome her back to the show. We are very excited to welcome Gene Meister back to the show. Maybe her fourth appearance, something like that. I'd have to. I'd have to look back through the archives, Gene. But it's a number Probably of appearances. Fourth. If you get if you get to the fifth appearance, you do win a prize. We could talk about that later. But Gene is the founding partner of Future Workplace, an HR advisory and research firm. She's also the best-selling author of three books including the future workplace experience, the 2020 workplace and corporate universities lessons in building a world-class workforce. She lives down in the New York city area with her husband, daughter, and two dogs. That's cool. And according to Jean, I like this part, Jean, I love the, I love the new bio here. We got according to Jean, her daughter is a case study on what millennials require from their employers. And wow. she's, a, she's an avid cook and is on the board of advisors. I hope I pronounced this right for the Mahway Center, yeah, uh, Center for the Performing Arts. Yeah, it's
2: tough. It's an Indian word, Mahawi.
0: Mahawi Center for the Performing Arts and Great Barrington Mass and volunteers for the Columbia County Land Conservancy. Jean, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good to see you.
2: Great to see you. Um, this is gonna be a great conversation, Steve. And soon we'll be seeing both of you in person.
0: Yeah, it will be right. exciting. We're doing this, of course, recording virtually. And I remember, Gene, I think the last time either you were on the show or we we did some other little project together. It was sort of early pandemic, as I recall.
2: <laughs> right, and, it was.
0: And it's like a year and a half later, and here we still are.
2: <laughs> you know really how I remember it was early because it was um, last summer and you were you were taking the call outside.
0: <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. That's that's for sure. Well, Gene, welcome back to the show. So great to have you. Uh, We love having you. You, You're always doing some interesting things, always publishing new research, doing a lot of really cool things in the HR and HR tech space. Uh, Let's just lead it off with a kind of simple one. Uh, The 2020 HR Sentiment Survey recently published. It's, it's helping really to understand what some of the priorities are for HR leaders today, basically from their mouths, right? That's who you surveyed uh, and you asked them what's important to them. I'd love for you to maybe give us some of the the highlights of that survey, maybe a little bit of the background, if, you, if you'd like, about how it came together and, and maybe mm-hmm. give us one or two kind of boom. These are These are big, important things we learned from when we asked HR leaders what was important to them.
2: Okay, thank you. Um, a little bit about the demographics and how it came to be. So, the survey was actually conduct, conducted in part with future workplace members and the members of Boston University uh, Questrom School of Business. They have a group of CHROs called the HRBI. So together we embarked on this survey of only talking to heads of HR. So 40% of our sample was just at the CHRO level. um, And others were director VPs uh, of HR and corporate learning and talent. Uh, Everyone was in the United States. And um, key was, we were looking at what are going to be the strategic priorities for HR in the next 12 months. Right? So the, the big headline, and we've done it before um, the, the, in 2020. So, um, the big headline was that employee well being and mental health was the number one priority, with list ranked as 68% of HR leaders said that was the single biggest priority. And right behind that, 67%, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the big shift we're seeing here is that HR, while they're all continue to be focused on the organizational changes and employee experience being one is still a a big focus. I think because of what we've all experienced in the last, believe it or not, Steve, it's a year and a half, (laughs) not just a year. They, I think HR leaders are now really looking at the life experience of their employees and the struggles they're facing, working from home, managing homeschooling, and just keeping, you know, just ensuring their own well-being in the process.
1: You know, I find that so interesting, Jean, because one of the things I was looking at when I first saw the survey was sort of how those uh, sentiments have changed and evolved even in the last year. And so it looks like there's a little move away from more of the analytics, kind of the mechanics, the operations of an HR department or of a workforce. And even though it's a bad reason that maybe got us to this position, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, it seems like this is a more human, like foundational level sort of approach to the people in our companies. Is that what you're seeing and hearing when you're talking to yeah. all these
2: CHROs? I am, Trish. And and while I'm, you know, I'm not saying that people analytics, it, it's actually came in number five, right? From, of course, yeah. So I'm not saying it's no longer important, but I think, you know, leaders, business leaders and HR leaders have been moved by the moment that we're all in and and i think for the first time um working from home has been the great equalizer right i mean we're all doing it it's not happening on a individual right. basis it's no longer seen as a perk and and while productivity hasn't been negatively impacted we are we are seeing how difficult it is to manage everything and importantly the lines being so blurred between work and life i think that's why leaders are really focused now more than ever on how can they nurture employee well-being so that em- so that employees have resilience as they continue to go through uh, of just a tremendous amount of uncertainty and i think that's what's um I think that's what's driving this focus on well-being now more than ever.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a response to just the last 18 months of incredibly challenging conditions. But as Trish and I have liked to talk about, and we've talked about it on this show before, the employee mental health challenge and or crisis, if you'd prefer to even describe it that way, mm-hmm. Um existed prior to the pandemic it was just kind of maybe not emphasized as much or as just because there was a lot of their HR leaders have lots of competing priorities and you, uh, you know Trish knows this you can't you can't do all 12 things you just can't they can't yeah. all be the highest priority right in a yeah. given year or so um, but it was a problem that existed before 2020 right and it's just it's gotten worse right and there's a lot of data and you cite some of it in the research here that shows how it's gotten worse. And now at least it's also good though that the reaction and the response from the HR leadership uh, that you surveyed is, is now saying, yeah, we've got to make this our really our top focus area this year.
2: Yeah. And so let's spend a moment on, on, on this mental mental health issue. Um, I think that I think companies are now really deliberately Trying to destigmatize conversations about mental illness. Yes. And as you said, Steve, it's, a, it's been an issue. It's not like there are so many more people now depressed or, you know, but I think it's now people are talking about it, leaders are talking about it, and, and companies are, are really making deliberate efforts to, you know, have leaders address it. In, in any way they can, and also train leaders on how to have these really uncomfortable and crucial conversations.
0: When- yeah. And, and even if you throw into just popular culture, uh, as we record this, the Summer Olympics are still going on, they're almost over, but yes. probably the United States most famous Olympic exactly. athlete, right, Simone Biles talked very openly about her concerns and her issues and her struggles, as well as uh, Naomi Osaka, the great tennis player and the reception to those athletes talking really openly about just struggling and they're super successful people, much like many of the leaders that you talked to Jean and surveyed, they're willing to share these stories and that, and that the society is much more, willing or open to, to trying to listen and empathize and and support them, I guess is maybe what I'd say.
2: Yeah. I I think we, I was at that match, Steve, at the U S open with Williams and Osaka in September of 2019. And I'm an, I I love going to the U S open and, you know, there's, there's always a moment when the winner is declared a winner and everyone stands up and cheers. And, and that moment, the exact opposite happened. Um, mm-hmm. Naomi Osaka pulled her head hat down and was in tears and there was mass chaos. And, and you can see from that to this spring when she, you know, went out of the Paris Open, that that, that last year and a half has left a really big impact on her. Um, and, and these celebrities that have the courage to come forward and say mental health and mental illness is is as important as having a physical illness to talk about, right? And and that's what we definitely need more of. Our leaders and celebrities, you know, bringing this into the open. And and I think w- I think with now it being the number one issue mm-hmm. here from HR leaders, I think you know HR leaders are really um, charged with saying. You know, what can we do to take care of our people? But the difference that I see in this year is that many of the benefits are now being to the family. Okay. It's no longer just the benefits directed to the individual worker that you're employing. With I think companies and forward-looking HR leaders are saying. You know, this is an interconnected system here. And what can we do to help the entire family? And, you know, we one of the examples in the report was Hewlett Packard mm-hmm. and they have a program called HP Spirit. And they were very innovative in creating new employee resource groups on mental um health and and well-being and they also created um, a network of substitute teachers to help their employees manage homeschooling again you know this is you know this is their this is the issue that their workers are dealing with and they need to provide the resources to help them so I, I think that's also I, I haven't seen that level of, Expanding the target audience in just that way before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess my follow up, Gene, I'd love for you to comment a little bit. And there's a couple of examples in the report. And, you know, I'm the HR tech person, et cetera. And you're always a big part of HR tech, as well as Trish. But we also are seeing um, uh, increased use of technology tools and solutions to help employers yes. right, offer more benefits communicate them more effectively, extend access, as you talked about, Gene, maybe to family members, et cetera. Is there anything that you found or just either with in putting together the, the, the report and or just with the companies you work with on how maybe technology can play a role in, in, in allowing employers to support the mental health employees a little bit more effectively?
2: Yeah, well, it's definitely you know uh, the golden age of tech-enabled well-being solutions. You know, they're you know that we you know from you know from Lira Health to um, to uh, Motivosity and Thrive Global and Virgin Pulse, which has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the newest one. There's a really interesting new one. Um, which is called Secure Save, and it is uh, it's a, an employer match for emergency savings accounts because companies are making the connection between financial stress and and mental well being, and and that if you are stressed about your finances, this is sort of an added level of stress, and it it impacts you tremendously at work Um, and you know, there's shock um, where, um, you know, a growing number of people have under $1,000 saved for a, for a financial emergency, right? Mm-hmm. So what one of the interesting things that you're seeing, it's actually 37% of Americans cannot cover a $400 wow. emergency, 37% of wow. Americans. So what we've been seeing in the past with financial um, programs, you know, it did 401k student loan assistance right for millennials now i think companies are saying well you know what it's it's we have to create a benefit that appeals to everybody Um, and, and with, you know, with the student loan assistance, they put a lot of money into that for millennials as a way to attract and retain millennials. But I think they're stepping back and they're saying, we need a, you know, a benefit for all workers Mm -hmm. and emergency savings accounts and having your employer match is a really powerful one. So it's another tech and, you know, tech solution that, um, that I think is really, you know, it's coming out at an important time because while it's a strong market for talent, there's still so much uncertainty and, you know, people are, you know, some people are, you know, looking for new jobs, have jobs, others are losing jobs. So.
0: Yeah. I want to take a pause here and thank our friends at Paychex, Trish. Let's uh, give them a shout out this Episode of the HR Happy Hour Show is brought to you by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. Are you looking for ways to help your business thrive in 2021 and beyond? If so, be sure to review the great sessions from the first ever Paychex Business Conference, designed to help business leaders with insights, resources, solutions, and actionable takeaways to help them build a better workplace, a better team, and a better business. This two-day virtual event was full of prominent speakers like New York Times bestseller Cy Wakeman to the star of ABC's Shark Tank, Damon John. You do not want to miss out on these great sessions. So you can visit paychecks.com slash thrive to see them all. And definitely recommend doing that if you haven't yet. Some really cool stuff from our friends at Paychecks. Gene. Okay. So we hit mental health, well-being. You know, it's, it's priority number one, of course. Priority number two, according to the sentiment survey, no surprise, right? Embedding right. diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout the the organization, throughout the HR function, throughout the organizational culture. Really, I'd just maybe just open real open questions. You know, I'd love for you to maybe comment on that finding, and, and maybe uh, even some insight on on what some organizations that you've talked to or, or or surveyed are are doing to try to to really move the needle on that. Yeah.
2: Issue. So, um, yeah. Well, certainly, as you said, Steve, no surprise after what we have gone through, not just as a country but really the world, right um, in 2020. I, I think the, the change here has been the, tra- the increased transparency and accountability that companies are placing on DE and I. Um, and so they're, yes, they're, you know they're, they're looking for ways to increase um, the number of, of employees that, uh, that are you know, women or um, Latina, or uh, minority, but importantly, the example I used in the, in the report, the 21, uh, 2021 HR Sentiment Survey, is that companies are creating annual reports, right? Just focused on their progress, what their goals are for diversity, equity, and inclusion, And what is their progress against their goals? So they're creating a level of accountability that they really haven't created before. And we have, when we asked how many people are doing this, we have um, 43% of the companies surveyed that are publicly traded have set public goals for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And another 38 are are gonna be doing that in 2022, so I, I think you know, and it, you know, they're saying it's not enough to hire one global head of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're going to go public with this, and it comes at an interesting time, which is the SEC guidelines are now requiring public companies to report human capital metrics, and one of these is their progress on diversity equity and inclusion. So all of these things are coming together at the same time and companies are you know really taking bold steps and and creating you know I, I, they've all, we've already had many training programs on DEI and I think the issue now is you know how do we go beyond the one-time training program and really build a culture and and make the case for um, sourcing a more diverse talent pool? I think that's one of the really important steps for many companies.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned, Jean, that there is so much focus on not just the measurement, um, but but being so public right about it and that, that's a big change because we've been talking about some of these topics I know my entire career so you know 20, 25 years and so I think that's the difference though. it's when, whenever you start measuring something, you actually then are held accountable to it. And when I think back to maybe when I was a practitioner or talking to other practitioners, we didn't have all the answers, but we would try and sort of put things in place and then there was never any follow-up in terms of measurement. Can you talk maybe about some of the creative ways that companies or CHROs you're working with are approaching this from a really sort of practical hands-on standpoint? I mean, obviously they're publicly stating, we're going to measure this, we're going to do this and measure this. Are there any that you're starting to see already really kind of say, here's some successes that we're starting to see by doing it differently?
2: Well, I think one of the one of the, the other trend that's really part of um, diversity equity and inclusion is the trend where a growing number of publicly traded companies are saying you don't you no longer need a 4-year degree mm. to apply for a job point. here. If you have the right skills and capabilities and and, and 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 can do the job, then apply. And so what that's doing is they're tapping a whole new set of of sources for talent and they're much more diverse. So I think it needs to start with um, the hiring manager and the recruiting manager, you know, challenging each other for what what are the roles we really need and do we need a four-year degree or not? And how can we challenge ourselves to look for talent in new places. Um, and you know, we have companies now creating their own boot camps. I mean, that as you know, Steve and, and, and Trish, you know, the IT boot camps have been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and now companies are creating their own. They're saying, you know what, we're we're just gonna, we think we can either retrain the people we have in technical skills or create our own boot camps and attract a more diverse group of talent so that people will you know will apply and have the right and will ensure they have the right skills. So it I think it start I think so much of it starts with you know definitely making having you know definitely making a commitment which we see more companies making um, you know starting with um, recruiting but I think the other trend that's coming into play here is consumers and employees are expecting their company to take a public stand on societal issues and and that is i think for for the first time that you know i've been tracking this we have seen companies now being challenged by their employees to stand up and, and take a stand on these Big societal issues, and that's driving the increased level of account of, of transparency and the the seriousness of this issue to the organization.
0: Yeah, Gene, that's a yeah, great thank you point. for those. Yeah, it's God, there's so much we could get into on this, and I have some tech stories to tell. I'll have to save them for another day, Trish, because I've seen a couple really cool technical tools in this cycle for top HR products of the year of 2021 that really can do a lot of cool things to help organizations not just improve the the talent pool for sourcing, which is very important, Gene, and you mentioned that, but also to really understand as people move through that funnel, that recruiting funnel and the processes where people are falling out, where there could be some possible adverse impact how to understand maybe potential for adverse impact, not just in at the macro level, but hey, in New York, this is happening, but in California, something else is happening or are we're hiring engineers in a certain way and we're hiring salespeople in a different way. And why is that happening? So it's it's really, really, really cool stuff. I don't want to name any specific company because I've seen a couple versions of this and I don't specifically remember who does what off the top of my head, but okay. the, uh, I, I think that's really... Uh, it's really important to understand that there are, just like in the mo- mental health and well-being that you talked about Gene. there's a lot of really cool and emerging technologies that can really help organizations better understand some of these uh these issues and help them improve. gene before we run out of time uh, you talked about it some in the in the HR sentiment survey report and prior to the show you know we were recording this in the beginning of august we were talking about companies now many companies announcing vaccination requirements for their employees mm-hmm. to return to offices which is going to be a huge issue in the next couple of months for sure it seems like Um, But I'd love for Eugene maybe to comment a little bit about um, as we move forward, kind of what are HR leaders thinking? How are they approaching these reopenings of offices? How are they approaching some of these thorny issues, quite frankly, around vaccinations and testing in some cases, and and, and how to prepare for maybe uh, longer term and extension of these working from home or hybrid arrangements that seem that they're going to last longer than I think many of us thought.
2: Yeah, well, that, right, your last statement was was so true. I know that we have monthly meetings with our members in the future workplace. And I've always asked, you know, one of the first questions is, so when, what are your plans for return to the office? And back a year ago, people would answer, oh, yes, we're going back. And they would choose a month and a year. Now, we just asked that question last week. And 60% said, I don't know. Wow. It's so fluid. So I think the way it changes is when we started asking this question about vaccines, um, companies were very hesitant to require the vaccine for, for going back to the office, right? And then you saw you know, a number of lawsuits recently where mm-hmm. um, employers do have the right to ask for you to have proof of vaccination. But the really interesting thing is that the incentives that companies are offering to get vaccinated, um, Vanguard, the um, mutual fund asset manager, now is offering $1,000 to their employees to get vaccinated by October, which is their date for when they're gonna be welcoming employees back and you know i i said to myself now that's real money a
0: thousand dollars yeah i mean if if i worked for vanguard i'd probably like get a tattoo that said vanguard on my arm (laughs) if they give me a thousand dollars i'd probably go do that
2: (laughs) i mean whoa so um you know i think new york city where where I live, um, just announced yesterday that you have to have proof of vaccination to go inside to eat in a restaurant or go to a gym or a museum, and I think it, I think what's happening is that all of the CDC rules are just changing so fast, and this is causing increased levels of stress and anxiety. I mean. I'm sure working parents are saying to themselves, will we see another year of remote homeschooling? Will schools be open in the fall?
0: Or even worse for schools and even some still lesser extent workplaces, but will they open and then be forced to close again or right? Like, and we'll be doing that ping pong. Trish, your kids are in high school and we're last. They did that ping pong thing, right. A a few times, right. Between home and, and school. They did.
1: And I have twins that are starting their senior year here in another week. And obviously, we're, you know, wanting to have a great senior year and do all the things that you do as seniors. But also, it's also thinking about colleges, you know, are they, they're looking at going away from where we live. And so that too plays into it, you know, are you willing to send your child to another state? What are the rules in that state? How is that? That was one of the main questions we've had as we've toured different campuses, how are you handling your response to COVID and to vaccination and to quarantines and all those things. So yeah, it's it's completely changed the entire way we live and work in a matter of eighteen months. And, yeah.
0: and it's, it's to Gene's change- point,
1: there's no sight in it's flexible. You don't know. Yeah, we're, we're
0: dealing it, with uncertainty. It's changing so fast. I feel like mm-hmm. even like we did a show with Rebecca Ray from the Conference Board. Yeah, it could have been just maybe a month ago. Maybe a less? month ago. <laughs> and and I feel like that show, and we talked a lot about returning to work and, and some we of the did. protocols and processes and just understand, I feel like probably half of that conversation is maybe not, doesn't make sense today based on what's happened in a month, yeah. right? Much That's less. Right. It's out of date. It's months. out of yeah. date. I, I I'd have to listen back to it again, but it was, a, it was a good conversation, but it is moving so quickly. We. We'll probably do three more shows on this topic probably in the next three months, right? Just to, Mm -hmm. just to stay on top of it. The vaccination thing is particularly interesting to me and maybe we should track down like an employment lawyer to to come on the show and talk about that a little bit, but uh, all right. So we didn't really only scrape the surface gene of the HR sentiment survey. We talked really about sort of two of the big priorities, maybe two and a half of them. There are five uh, key priorities that are outlined in the report. And we're going to encourage folks to, uh, download the report and read it. And we'll, we'll put, post the link in the show notes as well. But Gene, last thing I'd be remiss personally, if I <laughs> didn't ask you to, ju- I, as always, Gene, you're a great help to to me, but also the HR tech community uh, every year at HR tech uh, in the fall, which we're, you know, that's a, that's a wood knock for me. <laughs> we're going to be back all together. <laughs> lots of us in person. Uh, You've got a couple sessions that you're putting together for us. I'd love you to just give us like a minute little preview or a little teaser on what you're planning to to share at HR Tech this fall.
2: Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm really excited. I have two sessions. Um, one is 21 new uh, new 21 job 21 HR jobs of the future. So I uh, wrote a, uh, an article with uh, my co-author Rob Brown in HVR and uh, we also created an online course where we found people that have some of these jobs like the head of remote work. We, I had no idea wow. when we wrote that article in August <laughs> of 2020 that there would be so many oh, people, my gosh. right? Or the director of well-being or the director of the future of work. So we're pulling, Rob and I are pulling a few of those folks together and we're going to have a panel discussion about what do they actually do in their jobs, right? These are really new HR jobs. What are some of the skills? Who do they report to? Um, and are we going And what are some of the newest of the new jobs that uh, that we see that are going to unfold? The other one is um, how companies are using virtual reality for uh, soft skills, and uh, we have re- three different companies, um, cognizant. We have uh, Wiley and we have Indeed, and each of those companies are going to share an example of how they're using virtual reality either to um, interview new uh, potential hires, right, or to have to help employees practice making sales presentations um using um, an, an avatar so you know I think the other big use case we're going to talk about is using virtual reality for new hire onboarding because mm-hmm. you can't go to the office uh, when you uh, orient your new hires. So I think we've done uh, teacher workplace um, quite a bit of research and and one of the things we found is, Almost three quarters of HR leaders either have piloted VR or say they're going to pilot VR um, for training in, in the next year, and it's not surprising. I think the real question is um, of all the of all the training that is now moved from face to face, like soft skills and communication skills, to some other online, like like virtual reality or just online. Will that stay? Will that be the new normal? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can't imagine there being a lot. I can't imagine people going backwards. To me, in my head, it's going backwards. But I um, will see. But I think companies are now really experimenting. It's not just online learning. It's how can we use VR to simulate immersive learning?
0: What One of the, the VR tech companies uh, sent Trish and I, and I don't know, maybe some others as well, uh, sample headsets, tester yeah. headsets. I still have mm-hmm. mine. I I got to put it on again and, and try it. I only played with it a little bit, but the little bit that I did, and Trish, I don't know if you have a comment, the little bit I did with it, I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. You know, it's like really cool. I had all these different courses and I could just point and click and, and bring up the various courses. And some of them were yeah. soft skills, as you mentioned, Dean. Others were very like, uh, one of them was a like a aircraft mechanic tutorial right wow. so they so a hard skill right like uh, so yeah. I, I, it's cool though I, and it's 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 definitely leading edge but super cool
2: Yeah yeah so i i'm uh, so that's that's what we're going to be talking about and um i look forward to seeing you and welcoming lots of other folks
0: Absolutely absolutely well great stuff jean Thanks as always for being a part of the HR Happy Hour family now. You're like, I think one guest appearance away from a prize.
1: it's a really nice gift too it's a really nice
0: <laughs> gift okay it's I'm really nice it is. it's not uh, like
1: a green jacket like if you were a golfer but it's pre- it's pretty nice
0: yeah it's pres- <laughs> it's, it's equally prestigious what we'll, we'll leave it at that. it's very
1: prestigious yeah. yeah yeah i think
0: only three people have won the prize trish three or four i can't remember um doesn't matter
1: three now so the report
0: three. is called the future workplace 2021 hr sentiment survey five strategic priorities For the hybrid workplace, you can go to futureworkplace.com. There'll be a link for eBooks. You can get to the survey there. I'll also put a link in the show notes for anyone to download and read the reports. Fantastic. Really, really good stuff. Help you kind of organize your thinking about the the second half of 2021 or the end of 2021 and moving forward. Uh, Gene Meister, uh, thanks so much. Uh, Once again, great to see you. Glad you're well.
2: Thank you so much, Steve and Trish. See you in Vegas. Bye-bye.
0: All right. Good stuff, Trish. We got to thank our friends at Paychex one more time. Paychex.com slash thrive for all the thrive business conference content. We recommend you check that out and Trish, check out all our show archives where Trish, you know, where,
1: wherever you get your favorite podcast, Steve.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And go to HRhappyHour.net. So thank you for Gene Meister, for Trish McFarlane. My name's Steve Bowes. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. And bye for now.